This episode of Make Your Pitch is brought to you by BET. As a business owner, have you ever asked, uh, how is my business ensuring profitability and sustainability? Uh, or does my business drive its growth and agenda through a defined strategy? Maybe also, is there a performance management system in place? If you hesitated to answer any of these questions, you need to take a look at the Business Enabling Toolbox, BET. To find out more about BET, check the show notes of this episode. This is Make Your Pitch. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am Ellen J. Harris. Together, we chat with entrepreneurs with great ideas, looking for investors to back their vision. We want to be sure investors are there as well as to find the next big hit. So let's get started. All right, let's get started. Today's guest is George Walton. And before we talk to George, uh, Ellen, hello. How are you today? Good to have my co-host next to me here. Come on now. (laughs) I'm well, Christopher. How are you today? Oh, very good. Very good. Have you been uh, doing what you normally do? And that's uh, knocking out uh, some of the uh, people that need to get knowledge and expertise and all that good stuff. Is that what you're up to these days? That's exactly right. (laughs) And the best of the best have a chance to come to uh, make your pitch. Absolutely. And we, we will um, uh, be uh, of course presenting tremendous amount of people that will come in and make their pitch as far as their product and uh, try to get it in front of investors, which we are a part of as well. But along the way, we also want to present people that are experts in a field or fields that will be very beneficial to the people who are beginning and starting a company. And today, certainly, we are very, very pleased to have George Walton here with us. And Ellen, why don't you introduce George for us today on the Make Your Pitch podcast? Thank you, Christopher. George Walton is a retired senior patent examiner with the USPTO, United States Patent Office. And uh, George has, my goodness, 40 plus years of experience. He's granted over a thousand patents to Fortune 500 companies, to middle market companies. And he has retired, but now he still grants patents to those small businesses who have managed to identify some innovative and unusual expertise that is what we call patent ready. And so what George does is he really, he has access to databases that we civilians don't have access to. And so what George does is examine what you have He does some research in some databases that we will never see, and he's able to determine if what you have is relevant, valuable, and original and innovative. And so it is a a real honor to invite George to be our guest today on Make Your Pitch so that you, the audience, will be exposed to those things that are still available to you. So, George, welcome this morning. Thank you. You're welcome. 
And let me take a moment and introduce my co-host, the inimitable <laughs> Christopher Knight. Oh, Ellen, you're you're always uh, too kind along the way. Uh, George, it, it is definitely a pleasure. Uh, to start with, I, wanted, uh, I know that you have a very deep and uh, long, several decades long background. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what you've been doing over these years that has put you in this position of expertise, really. Well, I guess I guess I can say that I I started young, uh, very young, uh, during my college career. Um, my one of my professors decided that um, back then, you know, you didn't have you didn't really have a choice. If you had a great professor, that professor was like your father. He told you what you was going to do. Um, so he um, sent me on a co-op program as a sophomore to IBM. And uh, so I was able to work in private industry as a co-op student um, for practically two years. So he sent me to Boulder, Colorado, uh, from Texas to Boulder, Colorado as a, as a, young, as a young student. Um, it, it was a great experience for me. I, I was able to really learn how corporate America works. Um, I did it be, uh, between my, my sophomore and junior year. I would go to school a semester and then I would go and work a semester. Then I would come back to school until I completed my degree. And I really only completed my degree one semester behind my regular class. But it was invaluable experience for me. So when I began my career at the United States Patent Office, I was able to come in at a higher salary than my peers. So it's, it's a valuable asset for young people and young students to go on to go to co-op programs, on to co-op programs, because that is experience that is part of your profile or part of your resume. And then people look at that, uh, companies look at that as being a valuable asset to them. So during my, during my career at the United States Patent Office is that I have been able to um, come into contact with high profile attorneys for large corporations and large entities uh, the IBMs of the world, the GEs, the Mobile Laws, um, Caterpillar, uh, General Motors, um, you name them. Um, I have probably issued a patent for pretty much everyone. Um, but one of the things that I, um, that really bothered me as, as a patent examiner was, was that, was the little guy. The little guy was always getting stepped on. Uh, in terms of their ideas. Now, if a major corporation saw something that they really wanted, um, they took it. And the thing of it is, is that in today's um, environment for ideas, one of the things that I found, and I try to tell a lot of my uh, clients that you don't talk about your idea to anyone. Anyone that you decide that you want to talk about your idea to someone, 
make sure they sign a non-disclosure agreement. If they do not want to sign a non-disclosure agreement, you don't talk to them. You move on to somebody else. So all of that has driven me to a high level of passion and energy to help small businesses, small universities, uh, and, and the small inventor, the, the garage inventor, uh, to help them unravel their ideas and, and move it to a uh, place of reality. So that's kind of where I am today. Um, after I retired, um, uh, I was able to um, go to Yale University and speak to a group of um, high profile attorneys uh, on how to expedite patent prosecution within the United States Patent Office. You know, and I, you know, when the attorney asked me to come, I said, oh, you, you asking a little guy like me to come to Yale University at the highest level? He said, hey, what you have done for me, um, I'm pretty comfortable that you would do a great job. So, you know, it's it's one of those kind of things you never know who might ask ask you uh, to do something. And I always inspire young people: do your very best at the very beginning because you never know who's watching. So that's kind of where I have pro I have moved from the U.S. Patent Office to uh, my own private consulting. Uh, company uh, to help the small and mid-sized uh, startups and mid-sized companies uh, transform their ideas to life. Well, George, we, we definitely want you to uh, let our audience know how they can contact you when we before we close today, because I'm sure they would love to get in touch with you on, on the very topic that we're discussing today. Uh, Ellen, uh, what 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 next question would you like to ask of George? Well, <clears throat> well, in my discussions with George, he enlightened me, which is always wonderful for me. Uh, but he described the categories of patents, and two that stood out for me is the utility patent and the design patent. So, George, um, take us through. Uh, what a utility patent is, and then we'll ask you to take us through the uh, uh, design patent. Well, a utility patent is, is basically the, uh, as I say, the operational patent. It's how an idea actually works. It's the utility of it. Um, it's, uh, for example, if I had a let's take the cell phone for instance the utility of that cell phone is how it actually works you push a button you turn it on you got all your apps on there you push an app and it does something that is utility design patent is basically a picture of what your product looks like now I'm, I'm, I'm always telling people that it's okay to have a design patent. Uh, I mean, that's, that's great. But the greater asset is your uh, utility patent because it is the operational and it, and it helps to prevent someone from 
you can take a picture of something and they look very similar. But if you do the utility and you go through the operational phase of it as to how it works in the step-by-step process, that's even greater because now someone can't come back and do the same step-by-step. They have to improve it or they have to do something a little bit different in order for it to become a utility path. Hopefully that that gives you uh, some enlightenment on the two. It does. Uh, It seems to me, to my ear, that the utility patent is the most valuable because then you really uh, are claiming or you have ownership of that structure, that process, and that idea. Right. We've got a young, let's say I'm a young company, uh, George, and I've got this wonderful idea. And of course, everyone thinks they have the best idea in the world, right? And, right. and of course, many times they do, but it's still their baby. Now, if I were to think about protecting my baby, uh, I know, of course, there are patents and their trademarks, uh, which Ellen is uh, quite uh, uh, involved with herself. What is the most important thing I should do first? And you mentioned about how the big boys step on the little boys. Uh, what's the most important thing I can do if I am... Let's say I'm into my uh, second or third year and I really haven't protected myself yet. What's the best way for them to protect their company for the long term? Well, I I always say to, to any and everybody, zip it. You know, we're talking about it. Um, you know, perfect, you know, go through the process and look at what it is that you really want to do. When you reach a certain point that you can't go any further, that's the time that you step out and find experts or people that that are that have influenced you uh, to talk a little bit about your idea. Now, in talking about your idea. I always say talk about your idea in in the general sense. Don't give all of the caveat and all of the meat and potatoes of your idea to someone that you're talking to. Because every idea is based upon a need or, or a problem that is going on that exists. You know, talk about that problem. Talk about how you would love to uh, eradicate that problem or how you would love to uh, find a solution to that problem. That would be how you will begin that process. But don't go and start telling everybody everything about your idea because as I did when I would give seminars or workshops back in the day, I would say to people, your idea is like vapor. Once it gets in the atmosphere, it's gone. You can't, you can't claim it back. You can't grab it back and put it back into your head anymore. It's gone. Somebody else got it. And I also remind people too that you are not the only one that is solving a need and solving a particular problem. There are more people out there that are thinking about the same idea at the same time that you are thinking about it. 
How many times have you had an idea in your head and you walked outside or you walked into a store and then you saw the same idea that you had thought about two years ago, somebody else have already put it out there. So I always say to people early on, don't talk a lot about the meat and potatoes of your idea. You can talk about your idea in terms of solving a problem or a need or talk about your idea in a general sense so that the person that you're talking to will understand pretty much what you're talking about. Well, that, that brings us to another area here. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll ask this and I'll let Ellen take it from there. But uh, we, of course, are having a number of uh, these companies come on and talk about their concepts uh, and even uh, to the degree of giving their numbers, you know, what what are their sales? Uh, uh, what do they expect uh, the expansion will cost? Because they're asking for money. Now, that being said, uh, if they give those details, how do they protect themselves? I, I guess it's through how it's actually built or how it's actually done. But they're in the making their pitch. They're going to have to give a lot of detail. How can you see them protecting themselves in a presentation and making a pitch to investors? Um, <clears throat> I, I guess one of the things that uh, I mean, if I, you know, if I if I can use if I can use it uh, in in this particular um, uh, setting, is that if if anybody have watched the uh, the TV show Shark Tank. Um, one of the first things that the investors generally ask the person, the first thing is that, do you have a patent? Well, the reason for them asking that question is because the patent becomes an asset to them. Your idea and your patent at the very early stages has zero value because if you have no sales, you have no value. Even though you have a even though you have a patent, but what it does is that if your patent is something that is great and it's something that people want to add to their portfolio, a lot of times they will forego the sales because they realize that this is one of the greatest things since sliced bread. So they will invest their money and their dollars into it. But for the most part, people want to see your sales on your, your, your product. So if you have a patent, I would say to people, go out and, and, and generate some sales on it. If you can generate some sales on it, you will have a much easier time with investors and giving you funding than it would be if your patent has zero value. Oh, I, I I couldn't agree more in that process. It is amazing uh, when we have uh, some interviews, how many people have just gotten at the very beginning of the process uh, and uh, just have, you know, it's like having your idea on a, on a napkin, a bar napkin or something saying, here's, here's my design. <laughs> now let's take it and make some money with it. And that's not the way it works. As, as no. you just, as you just said, as a matter of fact, Ellen, uh, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, George, a few years ago, uh, 
there was a rash of what I call patent trolls going through the uh, patent database to see what was um, stealable, for lack of a better description, or borrowable. borrowable. Now, um, I, I used to belong to a group of uh, gentlemen who uh, in, were involved in patents and trademarks and that kind of thing. And one of the gentlemen said, if you put a trademark on the patent that you are developing, that will stop the patent troll from taking your idea because the, the trademark suggests that you have recourse. So if someone takes your idea, you can uh, hold them accountable. My question is, how true is that? Uh, now, when you said put a trademark on it, you can't put a trademark on a on, on a patent. Um, but what you do on a on a patent is that you use the word patent pending. Um, the TM that you put on a trademark um, lets people know that there is a possibility that you have already filed for your trademark. That's what the TM is. Now, if you if you would notice. Coca-Cola, um, General Motors, all of them, if they have filed a patent application, they haven't received their patent, they, you will see on their product patent pending. And that's, and that's literally to um, tell people, hey, you can't, you can't go out and, and do this because I've already filed this patent application. Now, whether you have filed an application or not, it also gives people some um, back off uh, in terms of doing something with that. Now, what they might do is take a look at it. And when you was talking about the trolls, is that what large companies do, large companies hire people to just go and research the latest technology that has come out. Uh, and they will take a look at it if it's in their wheelhouse they would take that technology, improve it, and then uh, write a patent application on it. And then they obtain a patent on your idea that you that you came up with originally. They just improved it. And I say to people all the time, patents are nothing but improvements over things that already exist. So, you know, <laughs> you know when you take the wheel, for instance, the wheel is over 6,000 years old. But Michelin, Goodyear, Continental are still getting patents on tires. So it's an improvement over things that always exist. So that to me is, is, is uh, where the uh, words of patent pending and TM, um, uh, you can even, even if you haven't filed a copyright, you can put um, reserved, uh, you can put the copyright symbol on a document, even though you haven't filed, you haven't filed the copyright. It is just to push people back from um, utilizing that material. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But that is the that is the gist of it. Okay, that's important. Um, there, are, uh, what I have found with these small business owners, they have they have very interesting and innovative ideas, and I agree with you. You don't talk about it, 
and that protects whatever it is you are developing. Now, you said something really interesting, and that is use the words patent pending uh, in the TM. It um, gives the uh, troller a pause. They won't just run out and, and take your idea. Now, the question becomes, how do I file a patent? Is it still okay to put patent pending such that it will uh, stall that uh, entity that's interested in redesigning or recreating the idea that I put out on the database, the patent database? Well, before, uh, if I don't uh, can, before we answer that question, I want to take just a minute to hear from our sponsor on Make Your Pitch. And we'll be right back with George's answer on Ellen's question in just a few minutes. This episode of Make Your Pitch is brought to you by BET. As a business owner, have you ever asked, uh, how is my business ensuring profitability and sustainability? Uh, or does my business drive its growth and agenda through a defined strategy? Maybe also, is there a performance management system in place? If you hesitated to answer any of these questions, you need to take a look at the Business Enabling Toolbox, BET. To find out more about BET, check the show notes of this episode. Okay, George, if you would like to go ahead and answer, please do. The answer to that, I would say, is yes. Um, one, one, is, one is finding, and that, that becomes one of the hardest, that becomes one of the hardest things. It's finding the right um, patent representative to work with you. Um, then that person can really help you move to move it through a protective phase, opposed to you trying to do it on your own. Because if you don't know what you're doing, then you're going to make a lot of missteps. Um, the second thing is, is that the patent office in 20, 2013, um, came out with, um, prioritize examination. And they also came out with uh, where you can file what they call a provisional patent application. Now, I just had someone who contacted me yesterday. Um, they have, they have, they received a grant on their particular idea uh, through the National Science Foundation. And they contacted me to find out what should they do in reference to you know, you because you have to in the proposals, you got to tell what it is that you're doing. So I told them what they needed to do was to uh, file a provisional patent application. The patent office will protect your idea for one year. Um, you file it in a you file a provisional patent application. The patent office never examines that patent application. They never look at it, but it's recorded. So nobody else can ever come back and do that same idea because you was first, because the patent office used to be first to invent. I think in 2013, they went to the European countries was always doing first to file. And the patent office was using first to invent. Well, if it's first to invent, that means you got to keep a, a log record of everything that you have done two years ago, four years ago, five years ago. So that if someone else comes along and say, 
I invented that first. Well, my law, my data shows that I started this five years ago. You started this just two years ago. So then the person who started five years ago would actually become the inventor. But the patent office have gone away with that and have become more synchronized with European countries that they have now decided to be first to file. So you and I can come up with the same idea, but it all boils down to who files first. So if you file a provisional patent application, what that does is that it allows you to work for a year to perfect and improve your idea uh, before you file your utility patent application. So that is some of the protection that, that you can uh, have at the very beginning. And, and the second one is, and the third one is, is that knowing the right people to talk to and having a non-disclosure agreement so that people won't disseminate your information. Um, I mean, there are people who have disseminated people's information even after they signed a non-disclosure, but it is basically the best option that you can use. And, you, you know, the trust or the um, loyalty that, or people that you come in contact with, I always say to people, too, is that don't tell grandma and grandpa if you the once you're the grandchild, they're so excited about your idea, they just go out and start talking to people. <laughs> Those are the wrong people to talk to. You know, keep it keep it within yourself until you find the right people to talk to. And that's another thing on how to select the right people to talk to. Hopefully that helps. It does. Now that is a great segue. But before I segue, let me ask Christopher, do you have a question you would like to ask George, Christopher? Well, certainly. I, I'm uh, always excited about someone with the decades of experience in this because I'm always curious. What is one of the more outstanding patents you've seen that has gone on to be a, a rounding success? Do you have any? Do you have one in mind that you uh, could mention? Oh man, so many. Um, I, I I like the you know the, the one thing that I say to people all the time is that most people think complex. They think that the most complicated thing is the best is the best thing to get a patent on, but the the simple idea is the hardest one to research because the first thing for an examiner is is that. Oh, this already exists. I know I can find something on this. But when you go out, you spend days and days and days trying to find something that equates to this, and you can't. And thinking simple, and I tell people all the time, think simple. Don't don't necessarily, you know, you have to think complex. Now to answer your um, uh, question on one of the simplest things that I, the guy's a multimillionaire today. Is a guy who came up with the idea of the uh, scrub daddy, the sponge. He put a smiley face on it. So now you don't have to fold a, a sponge to wipe a spoon or fork or a knife. You stick it through the mouth of the sponge. The guy got a patent on it. Um, it, it it's, um, it's a number, it's a number of things that, um, 
I think the uh, it was a guy that had um, um, what was it? it? It was like a magnet, but it was to hold your your eyeglasses. A lot of people would put their eyeglasses, you know, on in their pocket or they put it through the um, button, the buttonhole to hold their glasses on when they're doing something. But this guy came up with this little clip and he, it was with a magnet and it attracted the glasses and he could jump up and down. He could do all these kind of things. He became a millionaire with that. So those are simple things that, you know, people come up with. And a lot of times people don't even think, think about sense when it doesn't. Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, Ropeel fishing rod, right? <laughs> yeah, back, yeah. In, back in those days, right? Yes, so, yes, sir. So simple. Okay, Ellen, I'm sorry, I interrupted with a uh, with a little humor there. Go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so George, here's the really big question I would imagine that startups and business owners would have. And that is, how do I go about finding a trusted person? I'm on this broadcast and I'm looking at you and you seem like a fairly straightforward fellow. The question is, how do I, well, what would you do? I come to you with this idea, I've got a document and I share it with you. What's the next step in your process? Um, yeah, what I normally tell people, um, you know, when they're going out to find a patent attorney or a patent agent, um, one is to find out when when you walk in, you know, one is that you you're telling the people that look, I'm just a startup, I'm just a small business, I don't have a lot of money. How can you help me? Um, if that person um, tells you look, you know, we don't, we don't do that. Uh, we, you know, uh, we don't really give a lot of discounts and, but that's going to be the wrong person for That's going to be the wrong person for you to uh, take your idea to. Um, if a person says to you, oh, let's talk, let's, um, let, let's talk about your idea. And I will always say to people, look, my license is predicated on me keeping things private. All my life, I have kept things private because of the fact and secret because working in the U.S. Patent Office is that I never could divulge anybody's information or idea. I never could take it home. I never could talk to my family about it. So my family never knew what I was working on. So I have that level of privacy of holding people's ideas a secret and I've been doing that all my life. So the 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 whole key to it is is making sure that the person that you that you are talking to is willing to sit down with you and talk about your idea, and then you are able to find out how passionate they are about helping small businesses. If they are if they are passionate about helping small businesses, then that gives you an indicator. This might be somebody that I really want to talk to. But I would say for small inventors is not to go to large um, patent firms because, you, you know, they have to pay their high profile attorneys. Um, and, you know, 
they make $225 an hour. Or if you're just starting out that a small attorney, young attorney is making maybe 85 to $100 an hour. So that might that's the wrong people to go to. I always tell people is to you might want to put an ad in, in, in the local paper and look for a retired patent agent. Uh, who has 15 plus years or more uh, and has been a former patent examiner, that might be one of your best options, because then you have people who will be willing to work with you especially if they worked in that arena and worked in that area they are more apt to work with you and give you um the best deal than you would if you went to a major major company a major law firm okay now christopher you have something well we're coming close to the uh end uh, end of our podcast today so uh I would ask this one question uh, just to wrap things up because this is this has been absolutely fascinating, and I know that the folks, the uh, entrepreneurs that will be listening, will get a ton of information. And of course, as I said, I want to make sure that uh, your contact information goes into the show notes for this podcast. But my final question is basically, uh, what kind of tips other than keep your mouth shut. Would you give young entrepreneurs just as a, a final thought? Um, I, you know, one of the things that I, I like to um, uh, tell, tell young, young inventors is, is um, there are a few things that I, I like to look at an idea is that it's a journey that you have to go through on this idea journey. And there are a few things that you have to get rid of. One is fear. One is procrastination. And, and, and the other one is, is, is being um, hung up on not wanting to, um, you know, put your, put your idea out there. Uh, or the other thing is, is that you... I, I think uh, Christopher, you said it earlier. Is that it's 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 my baby, and that's one of the biggest things that derail people because they don't want to give up anything. And I always say to people, in order to obtain something, you got to give up something. And people, when when an investor say, "I want forty percent of your idea." Well, most people, um, well, this is my baby, all my sweat equity that I put into it, and I got to give up 40%. Well, I say to people all the time is that you can have a patent, but it if it takes you 15 years to generate a million dollars off of your, off of your patent, you don't need it. If, if an investor wants 40% of your patent, and in two years, you can generate over $300 million. That's what you want. So we have to get away from this thing that it's my baby. And I always say to people that a baby have to be nourished by the mother. The father has to provide all of the necessary things for that child to grow. And that's the same way it is with a patentable, with, with an idea, is that it has to be nourished. 
And you have to have people to help you move that idea to a more mature stage. That is fantastic. Uh, Ellen, anything in the close that you would like to uh, mention to uh, George or to the audience? Well, uh, this is the most important out of everything you've said, George, and thank you for uh, joining us. Um, how does a person reach you? Um, they can reach me at 703-798-1021. Um, um, that is my that is my cell phone, and you pretty much can reach me at that number at, at any time. If you want to go to my website, is www.partsip.com. Wow. Very, very good. And we will make sure that makes it into the show notes so people will have it right in front of them. This has been fascinating. I, I have learned a ton from what you're talking about, uh, things I never would have thought about. And of course, I like it just kind of like, uh, uh, and, and I love you, don't, don't talk about it, but it's not what an attorney tells a, a defendant all the, way, all the time. You know, don't say anything to anybody, especially the news. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you got to stay the course and, uh, and keep working and keep it quiet. But you also need trusted people that you can rely on that will help you that are honest and will not disclose what you're working on in the future. George, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Ellen, my good friend and co-host, I appreciate you today and I'm glad you're well. I will see all of you again and always remember to listen, learn, and give. And make your pitch. <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode of Make Your Pitch, go smash the subscription button and if you want, leave us a five-star review. If you think you have what it takes to be on one of our episodes, contact us by going to the show notes to learn how. But most of all, be with us again next week for another episode of Make Your Pitch. Make Your Pitch.